some people, even the ones that you love, might not understand what you're going through. You know, I had someone tell me, well, why don't you just take some karate lessons? It's like, okay, not helpful. <laughs> I mean, what do you think this is, Cobra Kai? No, um, <laughs> I'm not gonna go beating up people. The full and free exercise of our sacred right and duty to vote is more important in the long run than the personal hopes or ambitions of any candidate for any office in the land. You're listening to High Turnout, Wide Margins, an insider's look at election administration hosted by Brianna Lennon and Eric Fay. Hey, this is Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri, and I'm here with my co-host. Brianna Lennon, County Clerk in Boone County, Missouri. And we're here at the Election Center Annual Conference in Denver, Colorado. In this episode, we're sitting down with a couple of local election administrators from two very different parts of California. First, Joanna Franciscat in Shasta County, and then Natalie Adona from Nevada County, about how interactions with the public have really changed since 2020, and about how, in many cases, that is making it difficult for the work of local election administrators to get done. And up first, we'll be talking to Joanna Francisca, Assistant County Clerk, Registrar of Voters for Shasta County in California. We've talked to a couple other jurisdictions in California before, specifically about, you know, some of the the threats and voter attitudes towards election officials right now. Um, what are What does it look like for you right now, and what are you preparing for? Like, what do you expect to happen in the in the coming months leading up to 2022? So we've been, in Shasta County, it's been, I wouldn't say chaotic, but it's been chaotic. It's, there's been a lot of strong opinions. Um, in 2020, we had our primary election in March versus June. Um, so our nonpartisan offices, which are our supervisors, they were up for election in March of 2020. Two of the candidates, um, one ran unopposed, one ran opposed. They actually run their primary outright, um, and so they didn't go on to the no- November election. So 10 days after that election, the counties started shutting down, and our constituents were really angry and upset, and they wanted to recall everybody on our board. Well, those people were just elected in March, and it was a lower turnout, and they people were frustrated because they didn't vote on that election, and they felt they didn't have their full rights when it came to that because they didn't understand the process. So in 2021, um, not only were we doing with, dealing with the gubernatorial recall, we were also dealing with local recalls as well. So they were trying to recall three of our supervisors um, that were, two of them won the election in 2020. So as soon as that time period was up, they said we're doing a recall. And so we were dealing with those that group of people. Um, and then they also put a group of people on ballot and it was a really heated contest, um, which led to intense um, election night when most of the countywide contests, um, they lost outright to those. Um, no one won of their group. And so they were down in our office and, and chilling with us for a little bit um, while we're trying to get work done. And it was an experience that I never want to experience again. And we've had to completely mitigate our office and change procedures when it comes to observers. And I just expect um, people to be watching and asking us questions and then telling us they don't believe us. You mentioned that you're kind of reevaluating how you handle those observers. Um, can you can you be specific about that? Because I think that's something many, many election administrators are facing and they're 
they probably all would like some input on what other people are doing to prepare for that in the future. Yeah, so we were really blessed in the past where we would maybe have one or two observers that would show up the entire process and we would give them a tour of the office and we had time to spend with them and we would answer all their questions and they would go out saying, oh, I love, you guys are doing such an amazing job. I mean, that was the reaction we would get every single time or if someone was having a hard time with our processes or didn't understand, come on down, we have time for you, let's take care of this. Um, In the gubernatorial recall, it started to get to the point where I was doing tours like every 20 minutes or it was, there was no boundaries. I like to call them boundaries. So set boundaries of when we're doing this work and what we're doing. Um, And then never knowing, you know, if they were asking my staff questions, um, my staff that's not experienced or they're just here for this one job, they don't know the big picture um, and my staff giving the wrong answer. Um, and and intentionally given their, I mean, even some of our big supervisors, they didn't know that something changed on the other side of things. And, and, and she was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I told them the wrong thing. It just got to be a little rough. Again, I was up until two o'clock morning doing my work because I was a lot of it dealing with observers. We attempted to establish some boundaries in June of 2022, um, to make it a little bit clearer of what our expectations were. Um, and we still struggled with that. Um, there's some videos online somewhere that you can look and you can see people just walking into our back door and confronting our county clerk um, because the results are not what they wanted them to be. That is not okay at any time. They were trying, intentionally trying to intimidate us while we're completing the most crucial point of work throughout the process. I had observers trying to talk to me at 7.30 p.m. as I'm preparing reports um, to go live at 8 p.m. and making sure everything is in place in our voting system and it looks as perfect as we needed to look. Um, intentionally trying to you know, inhibit our processes and, and have us feel like they don't trust us. And, and that was intentional, I believe. Um, so we're working closely with our county council just to establish base procedures that everybody has to follow. One of the biggest changes we made is we're only doing observable tasks between the hours of 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. and we take a half an hour lunch break. So my staff have to take a half an hour lunch break at the same time every single day because they can't do any observable task. So it's slowing down our canvas process. However, it's creating a baseline for our staff that they know that they can check their emails from eight to nine in the morning and then they can check their emails from four to five in the, and get their day-to-day work done. Because not only do we have elections, um, we have other tasks that we have to do. So um, it's just establishing boundaries and set expectations within the staff, empowering the staff to say, hey, will you please move if you stand right there? I can't do my job. And they get two times and then they're gone. So it's just establishing those procedures and boundaries and making sure we're training our staff appropriately. So those are the big changes that we've had to make. So It's almost like the places that you least expect these things to be happening is where they're happening. I mean, I don't think California has a reputation for being like, oh, everything's liberal and everything is like so open and all this stuff is happening. And Missouri has a reputation for not being that and none of us are dealing with any of this kind of pushback on things. And it just, it blows my mind why these things are happening in the places that they are. And I don't know if you have any opinion about why you think that it is happening there, but like, it just boggles my mind that there's no rhyme or reason to the places that are being hit hardest with a lot of these. I don't know if it's a, a 
you know, we talked some about vote culture and the kind of expectations that people have when they go to vote and things like that. And is, is that part of it? Like, why do you think that it's happening? I feel like my constituents don't feel like their voice is being heard at all. So we're a very Republican county in a Democratic state. And when the laws that they're having to follow are not the beliefs that they have, it's really hard to continuously have to deal with that. And so I feel like our constituents, they're not being heard um, in the way that they feel they deserve to be heard. And that's really hard to take. Um, and so it's at the point now where they think the president in 2020, like they think he actually won the election and that it was stolen from him. And I'd be pretty angry too if, you know, I, I've watched some of the videos they've watched. Um, I used to be really angry about it. And now I've kind of turned to be more empathetic towards them, knowing that if I saw, if I didn't work where I worked and know the steps that we have to do to make sure someone's ballot is counted, that I would be really upset and angry watching those videos. And I would really believe them because they're a lot more believable than the work that I can produce at my office. We just don't have the team that can really has a strong communication. I finally got a community education specialist. I mean, it'll be months before I get this person in and then four years to train them. So it's just getting that in there. Um, it just takes time to build that. When you have a president telling us that elections officials are bad, I mean, what, who are they going to believe? Are they going to believe, believe me or someone that they really fully, for some reason, trust? I, I'm, I don't know. I say this often, but I'd be more, it'd be easier for me to try to change their religion than it is to change their trust in elections right now. I can't change that trust. I don't have their ears. They're not coming in with a humble attitude and willing to listen. And they're angry about the laws we have to follow. They're angry they have to vote by mail. They're just angry right now. They're angry that our county had to be shut down for COVID. They're angry they had lost money. There's a lot of anger that's been built up and they're feeding off of each other. And I can't solve that for them. They're, they're gonna have to figure that out. I can only do control what's happening in my office and the procedures that we're doing and the steps we're following and making sure we're very, you know, following the rules as best as we can and supporting them as best as we can within those rules and laws. Why do you continue doing what you're doing like why do you show up for work every day i've had to ask myself that a lot lately i started it because i loved it and i still love the work we do i enjoy going through an election cycle and seeing the um, growth that we've had as a department you know looking through and problem solving these issues that we have and how we can improve our processes and make voting easier for the, our constituents and, and more transparent and more open. But I show up because I need to show up right now. Um, it's hard sometimes. There's times where I don't want to get up and go. Um, but I just get up and drink my Mountain Dews and go. I mean, that's where I'm at. It's, I get up um, and I do this because if I don't do it, then the people that I don't trust will be doing it. And that's a tough pill to swallow. So I, I'm in there because I, I have experience, I have knowledge, and a knowledge that's different than my boss because she's elected, but I've, I've worked my way up. So I've had my hands in every process and procedure within our office, and I know it. So I just, I can't explain why I show up. I just do, because I need to be there. It's a, it's a need, and it's hard not working sometimes too. So it's hard to shut it off and walk away. But.
Hi, this is Brianna Lennon, County Clerk for Boone County, Missouri, and you're listening to High Turnout Wide Margins, a podcast where we explore local election administration. Today we're talking about how interactions with the public have changed since 2020, especially when it comes to things like election observation and voter education in ways that are making it more difficult to balance having the time to do our day-to-day work as local election authorities with continuing to provide necessary information and education to the public. You just heard from Joanna Francisca in Shasta County, California, and up next is Natalie Adona in Nevada County, California. All right, so Natalie Adona, who are you? What do you do? That That is the question, isn't it? Who is she? Uh, I'm Natalie Adona. I am from Nevada County, California. I'm currently the assistant county clerk recorder, but I am also the clerk recorder elect. Uh, I was elected in June of this year, and I will take office in January, I think on my birthday. Actually. How long were you the assistant or deputy? Three years. And what made you want to run for this and be the, the main person? the face of the county the face of the county oh yeah yeah well you know when I was interviewed by the current office holder his name's Greg Diaz he said uh you know you know one of the things I I want you to consider um you know if if you want to work with me is that I'm looking for a successor and I went oh well I don't know about that, Greg. <laughs> that sounds like a lot. And I don't really consider myself to be a politician. I consider myself to be, you know, researcher. Mo- most of my gr- background is in research and, you know, keep my head down and do my stuff. I don't know about campaigning. And he's like, you know, well, think about it. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of factors that um, led me to that job, mostly because I wanted to come back home to California. So I said, you know, I'll just figure it out. And maybe he'll change his mind and he'll he'll run again. But, you know, he didn't. And, um, you know, what really sort of set it for me was going through the November 2020 experience and then um, the, the fallout from all of the election lies and um, the grift, quite frankly. Um, I, I could not just leave that county to whoever was going to run, you know, I'd come in with, with some experience. So, um, I thought, you know, if I don't do this, I will wonder for the rest of my life, how things would have turned out. So I'm just going to do it. And if I fall flat on my face, then so be it. So when you made the leap to run, did you expect even after watching what everybody went through in 2020 and being part of 2020, was it an experience that you knew when you signed up that it would be as contentious as it has been? Or can you talk a little bit about how the campaign has been? COVID-19 really sort of changed, I think, a lot of people's behavior, not only being, you know, out of necessity, but... Um, you know, just sort of misinformation and disinformation about public health, about whether, you know, wearing a mask was okay uh, or not okay, whether vaccines were safe or not safe. And, you know, a lot of voters, I think, had very strong opinions about, 
you know, what counties did to try to mitigate the impact of COVID-19 and, you know, our, our county was no different. So uh, we had a small group of people who initiated a recall of all five of our board of supervisors in the county because they were unhappy about COVID protocols. They were unhappy that the public health officer would not, you know, sort of authorize ivermectin as a way to treat COVID. Uh, they were worried about all kinds of things related to COVID and, um, you know, it was a real struggle, I think, for our county to um, sort of get that under control. So fast forward to the beginning of 2022. This was you know, sort of shortly after these folks had said, we're going to recall all these supervisors, and here's why. Uh, we were having a surge in Delta variant, and my staff were really concerned, you know, specifically about the recall proponents who came in big groups were pretty demanding and did not wear masks, basically filming their their whole journey with this whole recall thing. And, you know, my staff are pretty sensitive about being being filmed. So I said, okay, well, what would you like to do about it? And they, they wanted to sort of revert back to a, a stricter COVID protocol. We had sort of gotten relaxed. And... Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to talk to county council. I'm going to talk to our risk manager and, you know, all these people to see what we can do. And, you know, they said, absolutely, you can initiate a stronger protocol. Well, these people didn't like it. And um, it really got tense. I ended up, and it's probably something I should not have done, but, you know, I, I lost my temper a little bit with one of the the proponents. Of course, they got, they got it all, uh, you know, on their iPhone. You know, I, I said, well, you know, there's signs everywhere. I've offered to serve you outside of this office. They refused. I eventually served them. They left. Um, and, you know, we sort of further restricted movement in, inside of the office. Um, and they did not like that. Ended up pushing their way through our office. The door that they pushed through struck one of my staff members and it really freaked people out. Um, one of the proponents actually threatened me um, and my staff, you know, sort of sort of ran down the hall, you know, in the non-public area of my office. Um, and, um, you know, I, <laughs> I was, you know, sort of thinking, you know, sort of two thoughts. One, you know, my staff look incredibly scared and, you know, two, what am I going to do? There is an open office plan, really. The only thing that separates that public from the private area is this swing door that maybe comes up just past my knee. Uh, so you can easily step over this thing if you wanted to and, you know, sort of do anything you want. And it really made me think about, um, uh, you know, the safety, the physical safety of people in my office and you know ever since then the campaign became very fraught because not only was I seen as an extension of my boss's term but um, also somebody who enforces unconstitutional rules like mask wearing and you know all of this stuff um, so I basically was the, the the subject of stories every every week in our local newspaper. Uh, anytime there was any sort of effort to educate voters and my name was attached to it, they said that I broke state campaign finance rules. I didn't, by the way. Um, someone tried to disqualify me. 
Um, yeah, even after the election, even though I won by 14,957 votes, somebody wanted a recount on behalf of second place, and it was some random guy from Southern California who was the one of the people who was uh, on the recall Gavin Newsom campaign. Gavin Newsom, for those of you who don't know, is my governor. And... Um, yeah, could not understand why my boss would tell anybody, why he would share the the letter saying that he wanted a recount. And he's like, buddy, you want transparency. This is what that is. I have to tell my constituents what's going on. I am now also going back to court because apparently, according to some people, I have violated our Public Records Act request. By the way, I didn't but I've got to spend time and money going to court anyway. So yeah, that's fun. All of that said, I have the best job in the world. <laughs> I would not change it for anything. And I'm not going to let some people try to bully me out of my job when I know what I'm doing. Uh, and I think this occupies a sort of small chunk of my life, even though it didn't feel like it for a long time. I love elections. I love <laughs> making sure that people have the right to vote. And I, I have a lot of fun at the county. You know, me and my staff, we have a great time doing what we do. You know, sometimes people try to make us not have a good time, but they're not in there every day. Not yet. So I'm, one thing I'm curious about, having been through this experience, do you think it's a good idea to have the chief election official elected? in this case? That's something I've thought about a lot, actually. Some officials in my state are appointed. It's usually in the bigger cities and, and counties, but most of the rest of us are elected. And, you know, on the one hand, I think that there's potentially a, a sort of weird conflict when you have someone who's running elections being on the ballot. One of the things that sort of drove me nuts about the campaign is I took myself away from a lot of those processes. You know, even with none of this other stuff happening, I, I would have done that. But, um, you know, I also think that, you know, you're only accountable to a handful of people if you're appointed. There, there is sort of a something to be said about being accountable directly to voters uh, and, and not to a county board. Uh, there's a little bit more freedom, I think, when you are elected. Um, I, I mean, when, when I take office, I won't have a boss. Or I should say, my boss will be the people, and I'll have to be accountable to them. So, I mean, which one's better or, or not better? I mean, I don't know. I guess it's a matter of perspective. So going into 2022's midterms, and really I feel like a lot of the conversation has even gone beyond that and we're just kind of focused on what to expect in 2024 now. Your experience having so much animosity thrown at you is unfortunately not considered an outlier anymore and there's a lot of states that have had similar issues. Um, you you're extremely resilient and can talk about it very easily. I know that there's a lot of people that are, um, that have been scared away from it as well. What have you been able to do to kind of, you know, keep spirits high with your staff, keep, keep going. And then 
Um, do you have any advice for anybody that's going through it right now? I'll, I'll answer that, but I will say that, um, you know, I, I always haven't felt resilient. <laughs> there were, you know, many moments, you know, especially, you know, that, you know, near that time where, you know, I was looking at my staff and they're, you know, just so frightened by these people. Uh, and, you know, I had to go to court to get a, you know, restraining order against one of our citizens. I mean, that, that was really intense. And, you know, there were uh, a lot of moments where, you know, I have told people it was hard for me to even get up off of my kitchen floor because I could not breathe um, and was, you know, just so worried about the unknown. And I, mean, I never had panic attacks before in my life and, until then. Uh, so, you know, with that, I, you know, do try to focus on the positive stuff about coming to work. I mean, we get to help voters. And some of these people, I mean, they... they they don't know the rules. They, they just want to vote. So, um, you know, there's a, a great joy and fulfillment in that. And, you know, my staff love doing that. And yeah, I mean, people are shitty sometimes, but, you know, <laughs> what, what can you do about that? You, can I say shitty? Yeah. I just said it. I just said it twice. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, I, you know, with them, you know, I, I, I do try to remind them that their job is important to, you know, not only the county, but to me, um, you know, that we all have an important role to play, uh, and, you know, they're, they're vital to uh, everything that we do. Um, you know, I would say for, for others who, you know, just kind of don't want to sort of talk to these issues, I mean, I get it. I mean, who, who wants to relive trauma? There, there were times when, you know, I had the media calling me and they're like, well, something crappy happened to you. How does that make you feel? And, you know, I didn't want to talk to them, but in my head, I'm like, well, you know, how the hell do you think it makes me feel? <laughs> um, but, you know, it was the last thing that, that I wanted to do. And I think that it's, you know, sort of a personal choice if you want to share your story with others. Um, um, you know, I, I, I would say it was, it's been really great for me to have um, people in my life who I know, you know, love me very much, who will just like sort of sit there and listen to all of my garbage. Um, you know, I, I, I do, you know, sort of understand that, that impulse, the, the need to try to be helpful. Um, you know, I, I have talked to certain colleagues who have talked about, you know, what it would, what it would mean to get like a concealed carry. Um, that's <laughs> crossed my mind as well. Um, I have not gone there yet. I don't know anyone who's really gone there yet, or at least I don't know anyone personally who's, who's gone there yet. I'm sure some have. Um, yeah, I would, I would say, you know, do what's practical, do what's right for you, uh, have a support system and, you know, focus on the things that, that matter and, you know, why you were there to begin with. You've been listening to High Turnout Wide Margins, the podcast that explores local election administration. I'm your host, Brianna Lennon, alongside Eric Fay. Thanks to KBIA for making this podcast possible. Our managing editor is Rebecca Smith. Our managing producer is Aaron Hay, and our associate producers are Abigail Ruman and Katie Quinn. This has been High Turnout, Wide Margins. Thanks for listening.